Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another video from Fantasy Football Scout. Uh, my name is David Monday and, well, this is FPL Sunday with, yeah, you guessed it, it rhymes. You can uh, you can blame Az for that one. He came up with that um, shameless pun. Um, you've got to have some advantages to having a name that is literally a day of the week, I suppose. They couldn't quite give me Monday Night Football. I think that's probably a little bit too A-list uh, for me. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's great to be back. Uh, it's my first video uh, with Scout. For a little while, uh, some of you may remember me. I used to, I uh, was the editor of the site for a couple of years um, and taking a little bit of time off uh, from reporting on football. I really needed that year off. I think a lot of us did, to be honest, <laughs> with the way that last season was, how much it trolled us. And here we are back again with another season that where, well, the trolling is, is particularly high. A couple of people have noticed already, I am having some mic issues. I am trying to work on those in the background. I'm finding that if I talk loudly, um, then uh, the static is slightly less obvious and I'm told my voice carries so I'm hoping that I can just shout the static down so give me a shout if it gets particularly problematic and I will do what I can uh, other than just talking loudly um, a couple of other things uh, it's a Sunday night, I'm at home by myself with my kids, I think, asleep so if at any point some young children uh, interrupt this stream uh, I do apologise I suppose but I guess at the same time you guys will probably find it hilarious so maybe it won't be the end of the world uh, but that's just to let you know that that might happen. <laughs> um, before we get into some of the other um, things we're going to talk about, I, I, I really want to see uh, in the comments um, everybody letting me know how their game week has gone so far. I'm looking for anything particularly disastrous or amazing, to be fair. I mean, if you've had like a cracking game week, I really want to hear about it. But at the same time, everybody loves a bit of uh, disaster. So if you really, really need to share how terrible your game week's gone so far, and uh, you want a listening ear from other people in the comments, and um, and I, I can try and be as sympathetic as possible as well. Do let us know because we're gonna we're gonna run through some uh, some good some rough with the smooth uh, in a few minutes. Um, but yeah, as I said, before we get to that, just a, a little bit of detail in terms of what this stream is all about this season. Um, uh, really, this is kind of just like an agony art, I suppose. You know, the, the Sunday games have, have just finished. Uh, and I mean, I can see in the comments before I even came in, there's a hell of a lot of opinions on the game that's just finished, which was, uh, I mean, wow, what a game. I mean, the, pre the Premier League really is back when you've got the two managers squaring up to each other and getting sent off. It's, it's fantastic. So, um, you know, emotions are, are high, um, both from football perspective and from FPL perspective as well. So we really want to capture as much of that uh, as we can. Um, you know, we, we want to be able to... Uh, make sure that you, you have somewhere to vent <laughs> if your game week is going bad and it's and when when better to vent when it's just it's just finished or at least most of the time it has obviously we've got a monday night game that is quite big so it's a strange week to, to get started on this but um yeah a, anything that you want to get off your chest that's what i'm here for uh, and i should just say that obviously fantasy football scout um there's plenty of uh, other content that uh, fantasy football scout uh, does so if you um, are a big fan of the fantasy football scout content uh, then don't forget to uh, sub like and subscribe uh, hit the bell notification as well um, all of those buttons should be above or below me or something <laughs> so yeah if you haven't already subscribed to fantasy football scout's youtube channel then please do um, there's some great content on this channel which i can say that without being you know too uh you know bigging up my own head because everyone else does it all everyone else's stuff is, is fantastic so um yeah make sure you subscribe for that i've seen one particular comment in here about neil and the team news i didn't quite catch exactly um uh what the comment was but um oh yeah didn't this lad used to do the press conference news before neil um i actually didn't do that um <laughs> i used to be on the scout cast but i can completely understand why people would confuse me with neil because we're both ginger so um that tends to happen a lot 
um, when Mark was uh, hiring some new people for the site, he hired me and Neil at the same time. Um, and so I'm sort of wondering if he's got a thing for redheads. So, you know, that, that's, um, that is entirely possible. But anyway, as I said, um, we're going to start um, by having a look at some people's game weeks. So I've gone through and I've picked out some great tweets so far of how this game week has gone. Some fantastic stories so far, um, not least uh, in the, uh, well, in the game that we've just had. Reese James. Uh, the first conversation topic that I really wanted to get into is if there's anyone who benched Reese James for this game, I really want to uh, see you mentioned in the comments. I'd love to hear like, the reasoning behind that as well, uh, because obviously, um, you know, it's completely understandable that in a big game you're a bit worried about goals going in. Of course, um, uh, you know, Spurs have obviously scored twice, um, but it's a big t- conversation topic, isn't it? When a, a big a highly owned, expensive uh, asset ends up on a lot of people's benches because this this, this just tends to happen, uh, I find. Um, in my experience, uh, I, I generally tend not to bench my expensive defenders. I mean, I, I right near the beginning, I think I benched Trent a few times and I, I, I benched him a few times and it caused me issues. You know, Liverpool can see, but he still get a goal. Uh, and, and and it really hurts. And I guess it's sort of the lesson that it was always sent to me is that if you if you if you back Reese James enough to have him in your team when they've got Spurs in game week two, then in my opinion, really should be starting him. Although um, <laughs> I'm a little bit of a hypocrite because I actually don't own Reese James at all. <laughs> uh, and so when he did score that goal, that was quite painful for me. We'll, we'll come onto my team in a minute, and my structure is is, is very different. Um, but yeah, any, anyone who's bench Reese James, I want to hear from you because yeah, I'm sure that was quite painful when that goal went in. Uh, FPL fella there, um, one such person on Twitter. Um, another, <laughs> I love this one. This is one of my favourite uh, stories of the game week so far. Um, Luca Dina, the troll that will not stop giving. I, I love this guy. From an editorial perspective, this guy is absolute gold dust. I'm never going to touch him. I don't want to go anywhere near him having him in my team. But I think uh, I'm right in saying that last season... Whilst playing for Everton, he scored for Aston Villa, so he got himself an own goal there. And this season, now that he's an Aston Villa player, he's now scored for Everton as well with an own goal. Um, and what I particularly enjoyed about this tweet is that one such person who owns Luca Dean is our very own As Phillips. Um, and so, you know, uh, any chance to uh, give him a bit of jip, I'm going to give it to him. But wow, Luca Dean, if there's anyone else out there with, with Luca Dean in your team, um, let us know in the comments because, yeah, I, I feel your pain big time. Um, I, I'm slightly amused by it as well in a kind of German schadenfreude way but at the same time I do feel for you as well um, what else has happened so far this game yeah so Man United as well one particular talking point that people are already thinking about is the fact that uh, we could end up with a very big score for Salah Alexander-Arnold Robertson Darwin uh, next week when they play Man United because Man United look an absolute shambles at the moment um, and what's quite funny is that for all the targeting that we were going to do um of like what was it Bournemouth and Fulham you know we were and and Nottingham Forest we're at the point where people are possibly going to start Andreas Pereira and Neko Williams next week uh, and just basically sign whoever's playing Man United you know they've got Southampton Leicester uh, Arsenal uh, after that Liverpool game so Madison Jesus you know all sorts of options here that um, could (laughs) go through United because as this tweet says here there's six players on negative points so far for this season and three of them play for Man United and that's Maguire Shaw and Martinez so yeah, target man. Operation Target Man United is a go. Uh, we've had some people um, uh, get in touch about uh, Reese James. So Brian Hantman says, "I almost benched James, but luckily thought better of it." Well, well done, good man. Sometimes those gut calls uh, end up being rewarded, especially when it's close and you like nearly did it, but then you didn't do it, and then the goal comes in. It actually feels almost twice as sweet, doesn't it? Um, we got uh, uh, Sean Morris. He says he benched Perisic for Bailey, which seemed reasonable until the assist of course it's not quite the same as Rhys James but it's still frustrating um, you know it makes complete sense actually to be fair in that case with Perisic because he obviously didn't start um, you know the first game we but obviously yeah got the got the assist as well that's 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 a big pain um, Matt Henley says benching Rhys James wasn't silly but benching him for Pereira or Bailey etc was that's a good point actually you know if you um, are benching you know an expensive asset for someone who's who's a cheap player who may be a bit untested you know, you know, sometimes that is going to come back to bite you. That's a very good point. Who you're benching him for, actually, is quite a key part of that. So, yeah, thank you to Matt for reminding us of that. Um, FBL Focal apparently got Dina, according to Hakey New. Uh, Miles Smith uh, also had uh, Dina as well. His his one-word response to revealing that is, Ugh, completely feel your pain, man. Um, 
So yeah, a lot of pain already. Uh, Khalid sold James and bought Zinchenko uh, for a differential in his mini league. That that's got to hurt. I mean, I've got to say Zinchenko has looked really good so far, and I've got some some decent uh, information on Arsenal coming up uh, that actually might make you feel a little bit happier about the fact that you've got Zinchenko, uh, Khalid. But obviously, that Reese James goal is is obviously really going to sting. Um, amazing stuff yeah keep keep your your sob stories coming in and i'll read out as many as i can and before we um get in well i'm going to segue into the first sort of conversation topic which is a very i feel like this always happens at the start of every season you know we're two uh game weeks in and a lot of the time the teams that are having an incredible time are teams that are just so random you know they've just got just just really weird players and you just wouldn't own and so Alex Emery here said if you're wondering who is in the top 5k and why this is my girlfriend's FBL team she's captain De Bruyne which I mean I should just say inspired decision I've already dug out as for having Dina but he captained De Bruyne and he, he hauled big time so that's a great decision right but she captained him because he seems so nice and his kids are so cute when they had a McDonald's Happy Meal in that TikTok and I've got to say I've seen a lot of uh, FBL managers uh, in the various uh, uh forums so far uh, this start of the season whether it's on scout on twitter uh, or wherever um really frustrated by just going to work and just sort of like having to have a conversation with someone who really just doesn't care and you know they're they're top of their mini league because they triple captained i don't know um you know Zhao Cancelo or something and just did something really crazy and then you know they start really well um i'm i'm in a i'm in a work league now um where <laughs> I don't actually work in football anymore, so it means that my colleagues uh, d- definitely make some really strange decisions. Um, I'm just—I was going to go through <laughs> some of the people who are like above me right now in those leagues, if, if, if nothing else, just to make other people feel better about this, because it can be a bit demoralising when the people that you gave advice to at the start of the season are ahead of you, and they're like, "Oh, I thought you knew what you were talking about, and now I'm ahead of you." Wow, clearly I'm the expert now, you know. Um, you know, I, I'm in a, I'm in a mini league with someone who's you know um, bench Perisic for example, um, uh, you know, but also has just a raft of other expensive defenders, which makes you wonder. Well, why do you have all of those defenders? Um, for example, um, you know, I've got people who are starting Archer in in, in my mini league. Um, I've got people who are benching Reese James. I've got people who own Marcus Rashford. Um, you know, all sorts. It just absolute reprobates of FPL, and somehow are still doing okay. It's deeply frustrating. It's really annoying, <laughs> but it is just—it's just what happens at this time of year. It's always going to um, even out. And, and the other thing as well is when people make transfers at this time of year, the the logic behind them is always a bit strange as well. And it, again, I'm always amazed at how surprised people are when when game week one and game week two are completely differently. I mean, I can still remember—was it uh, Steve Mounier? Uh, about five years ago, came in, scored an opening day brace or hat trick for Huddersfield against Crystal Palace, and that was that was about it. Well, after that point, he did nothing else. So when everyone signed him for game week two, and he was he was shocking. Um, I mean, and then only look at this season. Um, you know, Haaland, for example, went from topping the league for shots in the box in game week one to having fewer touches than Foden had FPL points this week. Uh, Mitrovic looked like a world beater against Liverpool and then missed a penalty and apparently quite a frustrated performance against Wolves. You know, despite him looking so good against Liverpool, Forrest, by the way, looked de- like terrible against Newcastle. But I've watched the the West Ham game today, and I thought they were really good. You know, the the way they played out, quite a smart uh, and savvy, well deserved win over West Ham. Um, I, I, I just think they deserved that win. But you wouldn't have predicted that off the back of game we won, and it just it just goes to show that um, we just got to be well. As Magic Man Josh has just said, you just got to be patient at this time of the season. You know, right now the data that we have to make all these decisions is um, is kind of all over the place. It's very chaotic because you just don't really know what the um, the, um, the controls are to use a kind of experiment analysis. Um, you don't really know what you're comparing it against, and you have a small sample size. It's hard to make big decisions on. You know, it's quite the season is in an embryonic stage, and that's just how it always is. I mean, I can't really remember a season where it hasn't been like that. You know, where there, there hasn't been some guy who absolutely lights up game week one and you never hear from him again. Um, so yeah. Um, as as uh, Magic Man Josh said, let's be patient. Uh, so, uh, moving on then to to my team, and, and uh, as I said, if you uh, uh, have more sob stories or, or victory stories of this game week, I'll get to those in just a second. So, here's how I'm doing so far. You've probably seen from the um, the little um, graphic that I've got that I've I've got a green arrow this week, which I'm very proud of, and I've gone up to 914k, which 
you know, would be laughable if we were in game week 25. But thankfully, we we're in game week two. So I'm quite happy with that. Um, my good friend Joe, who I used to do the captaincy videos with, uh, always said to me, if after the four, first four game weeks, you can be in the top million, um, you know, you can't really complain with that. Because it's, you know, everyone's so close together that it's it's not too bad. Um, so I, like many people, uh, am on the, um, the, the the Leicester goalkeeping double-up of uh, Iverson and Ward. Um, I'm entirely confident that Iverson Ward is the part of the hospital I'm going to end up in when that backfires with this new goalkeeper. But I'm I'm keeping the faith for now because obviously the amount you can what you can do elsewhere when you have just those two goalkeepers is uh, is actually quite nice. Um, and so, well, th- this is this is where I always get pulled up when I share my team and has shared my team in the last few weeks is that um, I'm big at the front and I'm not big at the back. Um, Reese James is a glaring omission here, and I was actually really smug about it until that goal went in. <laughs> Absolutely terrible defending from Spurs where they just did not uh, notice the fact that Reese James was, you know, playing, you know, right-sided inside forward. That, that was painful. But the second goal for Spurs obviously was quite nice for me because it took a point off him. And it was uh, got, got points for Kane as well, which I'm quite happy with. Um, Cancelo and Alexander-Arnold, I mean, like, I kind of feel like at this point they're sort of self-explanatory, really. But, um, I mean, the one that um, I feel like I've got a little bit lucky with is, um, uh, is Sven uh, Botman. I kind of I'm still working out which Batman jokes to go with with this guy. Um, yeah, I feel like singing the the Batman theme tune and then just shouting Botman is better better done on Twitter than on a YouTube stream. So I'll save you um, that particular meme for for today. But um, yeah, I got very lucky with him because he didn't start game week one, and it looks like um, Eddie Howe has said that. Um, well, it kind of implied. I guess that Bottman was going to have to wait to get into the team because Burn and Cher have started the season so well and obviously did very well together last season. And it looks like the only reason that he's gone into the team is because uh, Matty Targi got an injury, Dan Burn then moved over to the other side, and then Bottman was able to play and get a bonus point, which was quite nice. Um, bit lucky there, um, but you know we'll, we'll, we'll take we'll take each week as it goes. And I'm quite I'm just quite happy to be invested in the Newcastle defence. I mean, just going back to my team structure. Uh, you'll notice I've got Williams on my bench, who I'm probably going to start next week, to be honest, got Patterson as well. And rotating that third one between those three um, is something I'm quite happy to do, basically because of what has allowed me to do further up in the um, in the team, which is, uh, is is have you know slightly more money invested in them uh, attacking assets. Ah, here we go. We, we, we've got someone on the Batman jokes already. Murphy says, Jingle Bells, Botman Smells, Iron Robin, Laid an Egg. Very good, man. Um, <laughs> Nuclear Atom says the Batman joke doesn't work for me. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> My apologies. <laughs> Some people said that about the Dark Knight Rises, but we won't get into that on a football stream. We'll have to save that for a different day. Um, but yeah, so in, in, in the midfield then, the midfield actually to fair looks quite light um, with Salah, Martinelli, uh, Bailey and Neto. Um, I've got a section later on on midfielders in that bracket. Uh, I know there's a lot of um, itchy fingers when it comes to Bailey, for example, and possibly around Neto as well. Um, so we'll come on to that in a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, Aninda's uh, made a good point there. He said that his, his biggest mistake is that he went Saka over Martinelli last uh, minute. He feels like ripping his hair off, which I completely empathise with. I mean, that is that is frustrating because actually, to be honest, if you ignore their prices um, at the start of the season, you would have probably put them on relatively level pegging in terms of what you felt their attacking um, potential was. With a probable slight favour in the in the direction of um, in the in the direction of Saka, I mean, you know, he's sort of slightly more established in the team um, in terms of starting anyway, and for that to have backfired, that's 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 quite um, frustrating. Um, again, a section later on on possibly a reasoning behind that, um, which um, actually might make your life easier. And uh, if you're wondering about making a switch from Saka to Martinelli and worrying if it's sideways, it might not necessarily be. So um, while that's frustrating, there are possible ways out of that. The Batman jokes are coming in thick and fast now. I'm loving this. Uh, Harry Bane to the rescue. So yeah, he, cl- clearly Reese James thought darkness was his ally, but actually, um, you know, Harry Kane was moulded by it clearly and uh, got that late goal. Uh, but Nuclear Atom says, save the Batman jokes for movie Monday. Well, I mean, I'll have a chat with Fantasy Football Scout. If they can let me have a stream tomorrow night about movies, well, we'll see. I'm not optimistic, but it's a possible uh, 75% chance I'll go with. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so the forward line is is something that I'm quite happy with. Um, I believe that um, Gianni has something similar to this as well. I know that he was in a three, th- called a three and a half medium. You know, I've got my three premiums in Kane, Haaland and Salah but then G- uh, Jesus is the, is the half because he's sort of 
an expensive mid-priced or a cheap premium, however which way you want to look at it. Um, it didn't really go very well for me, this, this front three in the, in the opening game week. Um, uh, because, you know, uh, Haaland delivered, but Jesus didn't and Kane didn't. Uh, but, I mean, boy, did Jesus absolutely bang. Uh, this particular game we can I think we kind of all expected it was going to come eventually and actually Leicester it's, it's not too surprising it's happened there uh, listening to Sam Martin actually on a, a spaces the other night he obviously goes and watches uh, uh, Leicester every week and he was a little bit concerned that Arsenal were going to were going to turn them over and, and offensively you know obviously that's that's what happened really and uh, this Arsenal team is looking is looking really nice um, Haaland uh, <laughs> obviously didn't exactly go the, the big guns as we'd expect but a couple of people have mentioned already actually that Haaland was very close, very, very close indeed to probably getting a goal if Foden had squared it. And I think Foden actually got substituted for not passing it to Haaland. But actually, when you look at that in the long run, the fact that that Guardiola is tempted to like sub people off because he didn't pass to the person who you've captained, I mean, that's actually a pretty good place to be, especially when it's the best um, attacking team in the league. So whilst that's not as many points as I was hoping for, and it's entirely possible that Salah's going to smash it against Palace, I don't really regret that decision. Uh, too much and the Kane I mean Kane I can't believe I've come out of that game with six points I mean Spurs looked rubbish for most of that game Kane even went through had a chance but the curse of Stamford Bridge or at least Spurs' curse when they play there um, clearly possessing him because that shot was just was rubbish and then in the end I mean I'm going to say it now as a jammy goal I mean I kind of don't really know how it wasn't a foul on Cucurella for having his hair pulled Um I can't believe that that's been looked at and at the very least not been a free kick, let alone a red card or a yellow or something. And so it's so jammy. It's so jammy that Kane goal, but I'll take it. Um, We're going to talk about the Sunday drama in a little bit more detail later in the show. If you have Kane still, I know that a lot of people don't. I would be really fascinated to hear what people are doing with Kane because obviously they haven't looked great so far. But the six points and the possible fires in midfield might make you tempted to keep him. So if there's anyone there out there with strong opinions on what to do with Kane, uh, do let me know. Um, a couple of other people. Um, oh, Matt's saying that Kane's on for two bonus, actually. That really is flipping jammy, especially with that missed chance. Um, I'm being told by uh, uh, Tosuela Pele, if I pronounce that correctly, that I need to transfer out three players. I uh, would love to know who they are because I actually have two free transfers for game week three and so could make three changes uh, if I wanted to. So if you've got any suggestions, very happy to listen to those. Harry Dawson says, stay off Harry Bane. It's like Poison Ivy. So the Batman theme continues clearly. Um, and Inda, obviously, yeah, reminding us that one more pass from Foden and Haaland would get seven more points. That's, that's a fair um, point. So I don't really think people are too uh, too worried about him. So... Um, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to take us through um, Fantasy Football Scouts scout notes uh, because, as I said, the um, one of the, one of the, one of the reasons why we wanted to do the stream was to kind of capture as much as we could about the weekend's action as quickly as we possibly could. Um, so um, as soon as those games are ended, let's let's roll our our statistical sleeves up and have a look at you know what has been going on in the league. Uh, right away so we kind of already have an idea of how things went what we think is going to happen in the next game week and move on from there and really what I want to do this is I want to really point everyone in the direction of um, Fantasy Football Scouts um, scout notes I think they're an amazing part of Fantasy Football Scout which um, I feel like I can get away with saying that now that I'm not the editor anymore and I just do one video every Sunday Um, and I didn't even come up with this this was something that Mark came up with years and years ago of um, uh, you know, effectively match reports. You know, that go go instead of um, a focus on the result and some of the, I guess you could call them match of the day talking points. You know, was this bad defending there? You know, you, you know, how many times can we get Alan Shearer to say superb in the same sentence type thing? We're not interested in that. What we really want is some you know key details about our FPL assets. How did they get on? Are there any factors in those games that could potentially um, highlight that this person's going to do particularly well moving forward or this person's appeals you know gone downhill so to speak um, they're really really useful and I sometimes worry that not enough people know about them and so I really wanted to showcase um, some of the stuff that Neil and Tom who are the, the, the two editorial head honchos at the moment um, have been getting up to 
Um, and it's one of the advantages, I think, about Fantasy Football Scout in terms of what they're able to do on a weekend, right? Because they um, are able to just have someone just work a full-time shift on a Saturday just watching all the games and looking out for this stuff. And it does mean that in a lot of these situations, we're able to notice some really fascinating stuff um, about um, fantasy assets that we all care about. So um, I've done like a screen share. I've done like a screen capture of uh, this is Neil's article from yesterday, summing up two of the big games that we had uh, on Saturday, um, and we'll have some stats on um, on some of those games uh, as well. Oh, uh, some people saying that the the, uh, the the text is a bit small in this. Yeah, that is probably a fair point. I will see if I can make it bigger. Um, if I do this, it might make the text a bit bigger. And we just chop out the sort of stuff on the edge because it's all sort of like very column based, so to speak. So, a few technical errors uh, here. It's first time, so I hope hope that you will uh, forgive me. Uh, yeah, Michael uh, Anderson just pointing out. Yeah, I'm having some slight issues with the static, which I I'm one I noticing that they tend to go away when I talk louder and for longer. So as long as I keep talking, I'm hoping that it's fine. But if if there are any issues, um, do continue to let me know. Uh, so Arsenal versus Leicester then um, let's have a look um, some interesting stuff here so Jesus I mean let's be honest we've all got Jesus so I mean maybe it's it's not that much of uh, an interesting thing to know um, but anyone who doesn't have Jesus and wondering if possibly uh, it's not sustainable uh, well what we discovered in this game is that his totals for penalty box touches uh, for goal attempts his uh, shots in the box and big chances are unbeaten by anyone in game week two at the time of writing, which I believe was before the Chelsea game. Uh, and of course, up next for Jesus is Bournemouth and Fulham. So, you know, if you're not already on Jesus and you have a route to Jesus, um, you know, this, the stats are showing us this guy is on fire. Um, and, you know, I would be I would be very, very nervous um, about not owning him, uh, basically. Um, to, to quote uh, a religious phrase from America, y'all need Jesus. So, yeah, let's go with that. Um, I mentioned earlier that, um, I, I can't remember who it was, but someone had gone with Saka uh, over uh, Martinelli at the start of the season in a decision that actually, as I said, I think made a lot of sense at the time. But what we're already discovering uh, is that um, there is a, a lot of focus at Arsenal in the first two games um, down the left-hand side. So I've just scrolled down. And hopefully people can see this heat map that's in this, this article um, that shows that Arsenal really, really favouring that left-hand side. Um, and that um, has helped uh, the likes of Martinelli, who plays on that flank on the other side from Saka. Uh, obviously, that was Jesus as well, because obviously he's central and he's he's kind of at the, at the thick of all of this action anyway. But um, help of Martinelli, also help of Zinchenko. So anyone who started with Zinchenko obviously got a very handsome haul in game week one. Um, probably feel a little bit unfortunate not to have got a bigger haul Excuse me, in, in game week two. And as I said, that's because Arteta seems very, very very focused on uh, on this left-hand side, which unfortunately seems to have left Saka in, in the cold a little bit. Um, but there's someone that Neil has, has, has pointed out who, um, I mean, I wouldn't have even considered if Neil hadn't mentioned this. So again, big kudos to Neil for this. Um, is is that that's also seemingly benefiting not Saka, but Shaka, Granite Shaka, uh, playing in the midfield, who is operating as something, he's the left-sided sort of number eight in their attacking system. Um, and obviously Arsenal's fixtures look really, really nice. Um, you know, we've got people uh, mentioning here. So Sean has said, I reckon a lot of people are going to captain Jesus in, in in the next game week. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're Bournemouth and Fulham up next. Why not? It's look fantastic. Um, but when uh, when you sometimes get these early season bandwagons and everyone's on Jesus, right? And Martinelli is at the moment seemingly the sort of Jesus is the shield. He's your EO shield, protecting yourself against everyone else who owns him. And Martinelli helps you turn that into a sword, to use one of uh, Joe's uh, Scoutcast analogies. But if everyone starts lumping on Martinelli, you might even you might even need a third option. You might even need a third uh, Arsenal option if they're looking that good. And Xhaka is only um, five million, and so we're going to talk about Bailey in a little bit uh, more detail a bit later. But already, you know, if we're looking at Xhaka. Uh, as as a potential replacement, I don't really think he's like he's, he's that bad of an option because he is very focused in these attacks. He's got a goal and assist so far already this season, and the only uh, Arsenal midfielder with more points in him so far is Martinelli. But there's only two points in it, so Martinelli only has two more points than Shaka so far. Obviously, Jesus is, is miles ahead, but if you are looking for an out 
uh, from Bailey. I mean, Shaka, I, mean, I can think of worse options and, and seemingly nailed on as well. So, I mean, if people are frustrated by the fact that you don't even know Bailey's going to play, Shaka is going to play and seemingly benefiting from this uh, this sort of lopsided attack. And there's just a couple of quotes in here as well. That um, This is the other advantage of these scout notes is they, they're able to collect up a lot of post-match information. Uh, so, for example, uh, Shaka saying, I've got more freedom to go up and down now. I know I can do that. I have a lot of freedom from the coach and from my teammates at the moment. I'm very happy with everything is going. Uh, Arteta pointing out that Granite is arriving in the box and he should have scored last week and he could have scored two today because he had another header and that's what we need. Um, so really, really exciting um, things to notice there. I mean, we're going to talk about Josh De Silva in a little bit and sometimes when um, cheap midfield players um, get some decent points towards the start of the season, a lot of the time I'm a bit concerned about sustainability. And we are only two game weeks in, so yes, the sample size is small, but there is there is a lot to like here about Shaka. Although, <laughs> P. Macker has made an excellent point here, actually. Shaka is a red card waiting to happen. Vieira, for me, soon is, is he's in the squad. I mean, that's a fair point. We should probably mention that Shaka does always come with a red card warning. Um, but, well, if, you, if you're prepared to take that risk, then, you know, it might be worth a try. Um, but, yeah, as I said, some fantastic observation there from the Arsenal game from, from Neil, which uh, is always worth uh, paying attention to because he knows his stuff. Uh, Erling Haaland then had fewer touches of the ball uh, than Phil Foden got FPL points in game week two. Um, however, um, he wasn't partic- he wasn't completely anonymous. So then this is this is just a handy thing about the the notes that uh, we've got here. Is that, you know he still managed to have two shots on goal. Would have had an open net to tap it into if Foden wasn't uh, so selfish from that narrow angle. Uh, was also in tapping territory for for Foden's goal as well. So um, in the future, um, you'd like to think maybe he could square that. Um, and of course, still has that assist potential because he's the spearhead of a particularly, um, particularly uh, potent attack. Um, the other thing, as well, of course, is if anyone is worried about Haaland, there's probably not many of you. You're probably annoyed he didn't get as many points. But um, the other thing is that when you consider the way that the Bournemouth game went, you know, obviously playing against a low block there, um, and wasn't really playing against such a low block against West Ham. A little bit more adventurous are the Hammers going forward against uh, Man City. Uh, whereas, of course, uh, Bournemouth had every right to just sit behind the ball, newly promoted team against the champions with one of the best strikers in Europe. Naturally, they would try and compact that space. And when you look at some of the Man City fixtures coming up, you'd like to think that some of those teams would be slightly more slightly more open. So as I said, uh, whenever you are, have just finished watching a game uh, or um, and, and, and wondering... Um, you know what analysis you can get on that make sure you always check out fantasy football scout scout notes they are in my opinion the best thing about the scout website um always have been uh, always will be um and they tell you everything you need to know about what's happened in in really intricate detail um pretty much as soon as the games are finished um it's worth saying that some of the information in that article uh, that I've just shown you there uh, is members only so um if you uh, you know want to be able to read those articles in that level of detail on a regular basis then do consider signing up to fantasy football scouts members area um it's a fa- it's a fantastic uh piece of kit so to speak um my first season uh, working for the site i spent eight hours a day in there um you know 24 7 eight hours a day and had the best finish i'd ever had finished 17k which was a massive improvement on where i was before and my three, well, my three best finishes in FPL all came when I basically spent my entire life inside the members area to the point that I basically was paying a mortgage in there uh, so that I could live there full time. So if you want access to that information on a regular basis so that you can manipulate all of those tables that um, and heat maps yourself, then and if you're not already a, a, a scout member, uh, then, then do consider signing up. So um, a lot of people are talking about Bailey. Um, and so we are going to come to him next. Um, what to do with him lots of questions uh, about what to do with him Um, this is a really frustrating one because I think most people would say that actually having him from the off wasn't a bad decision you know there's been a lot of dare I say it heated discussion about the concept of variance and optimal performance in fantasy football over the last week Um, I'm not going to comment on any of that uh, I'm going to specifically talk about uh, what's happened here is that, yeah, I think it was a good decision. I mean, I've, I've still got Bailey in my team and, you know, he didn't look terrible against Bournemouth. Um, he looked good enough to definitely start against an Everton team that looked really bad. And of course, when uh, you consider that he did really well in preseason, um, Gerard put out some fantastic quotes that really just highlighted this idea that he was like, you know, the next, um, you know, the next big thing for them. The fact that he's been benched for this game 
is 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 deeply frustrating. And in terms of what that means going forward, I think the main thing to consider, to be honest, is what shape that Villa attack is going to have. So if you're if you're wondering about what to do with him, um, and maybe hadn't seen the game or just you know been a bit busy this week and haven't had a chance to really get stuck into what um, that Villa team looked like. Obviously, it was it was Watkins and Ings that played up front in a front two, which obviously is quite uh, a narrow uh, attack force. Um, and and Watkins smashed it. By the way, I thought I thought he was great. I've always I've always thought that Watkins is uh, is is a, is a very talented uh, young man. I actually watched him play for Exeter what five six years ago um, in League Two. Um, he was kind of a winger back then, and so I was watching him play against uh, Plymouth Argyle. I was a Devon Derby. Uh, Exeter were losing one 0 at home, and in the last ten minutes of that game, he, he scored two unbelievable goals, like two absolute worldies to win it. Uh, and ever since then, I've been had a very keen interest in his career. So very, very happy to see that he's played very well against Everton. Uh, got two assists, I believe. Um, Danny Ings. I mean, let's be honest. Th- that finish with that first goal was was so good. The thing about Ings is that you never necessarily know how often he's going to shoot, but when he does. His finishing is just insane. Like his, I think it's his xG on target. So it's it's when his when he um gets a shot on target, it's quite often like like ludicrously difficult to have got it on target, but he's got it on target anyway. Um, and the way that he he, he knocked that goal and I thought was fantastic. And so you've got the situation now where if Gerard is because obviously he didn't score against Bournemouth, which is a big disappointment. Um, when of course they bench one of those two strikers, you know he's played both of them against Everton and it's and it's worked well. You know they've won the game. Um, you know Gerard's probably thinking he's probably going to do that again. And so um, in terms of all the different positions that he can fill, I mean, even more frustrating for Bailey owners is the fact that um, Emmy Buendia came on and looked fantastic as well. Um, so you know there's another name uh, to come in. Oh. <laughs> Incredible timing. John Cahill said exactly the same thing. Buendia looks sharp. Might finally get a look in if Coutinho's injured. Yeah, fair point. Um, you know, Buendia's looking good as well. Bailey, obviously, is, is more of a wide man. And that makes sense if they're playing a sort of three-man attack with one centre-forward and two wingers. But if if they're playing with these two centre-forwards and Buendia's looking really tidy behind them and, you know, they've got a couple of those other central midfielders as well, um, it wouldn't be, like, too shocking if Bailey isn't going to play. Um in uh, in the next one, so I completely understand why people would want to be um, moving him on. Um, in terms of people to move to, uh, uh, Idar has, uh, has made a good suggestion of talking about Rodrigo. Um, now I've got uh, I've got someone else I'm going to throw into the mix. I'm going to talk about it in a little bit more details. Possibly Jack Harrison at Leeds. There's Leeds midfielders that actually look quite nice. We've already talked about Shaka as well. Um, I haven't decided exactly what I'm going to do with my transfers for next game week, but. Um, I can think of worse moves than Bailey uh, to Shaka, but anyone who's worried about selling Bailey, I am thinking about doing it. I think when you consider um, that situation at Aston Villa um, and just the, just the nature of what that attacks had to look like, um, I'd be a bit nervous about him starting games. And Nuker Atom said there, you could, Bailey could be an impact sub. You know, he's obviously someone that can inject a bit of pace into the game, maybe when the other team is tiring. Because um, you've got to say that people like Watkins. Uh, and Danny Ings are the sort of people that um quite good at um bullying bullying uh, the defenders ready for Leon Bailey just to come on and uh, really make it difficult for them. So selling Bailey I think makes complete sense. Now a couple of other a couple of alternatives. Um uh, well just a couple of other people in the same price bracket. So before we come on to those Leeds uh players, I'm just gonna have a look at Pedro Neto. Um not as a not as a replacement. Don't worry. I'm not sat here saying get Pedro Neto for Bailey because to be honest I'm thinking about selling Neto myself. But I wanted to, once again, if I can do it just briefly without sounding too much like um, a bit of a marketing hack or anything, uh, I want to go into the Fantasy Football Scout members area again and just show people what they can do with that uh, in the aftermath of a game week to kind of work out, you know, you've got an asset who you're a bit nervous about, blanked in the first two. What am I going to do with them? Um, when I'm in that situation, what I always do is I come to this section of the Fantasy Football Scout members area. So as I said, if you don't have this already, do subscribe it will transform your fpl ability or uh, practically overnight um i always come to the matches part of it and i uh have a look at what they did and i i haven't actually done this for neto yet and i'm yeah i've been quite busy and i figured well i'm doing the stream later so what i was going to do was i was just going to go into the wolves fulham game and just have a look and see if there's anything in there that gives me an indication that I need to sell Neto. Or is there maybe some information there that tells me that um, Neto actually didn't do too bad? 
um, and um, I should probably hold him for the next one. Um, all sorts of great stuff in here. Um, you know, average position maps. Uh, if I want to, I can probably find out what his touch map was. So um, let me know, by the way, if uh, what I'm doing you can't see because I've obviously had to screen uh, grab this. Uh, where's he gone? Pedro Neto, in terms of what his heat map was. Um, you know, you look at that and there's quite a lot of stuff going on in the edge of the box, but also quite a lot of stuff going on in deep as well. Um, which you know is a bit nerve wracking for me. The other great thing I love about this, uh, this these maps is the XG shots. Love this, right? And what we've ascertained there is Pedro Neto actually didn't have a single shot. <laughs> so already I'm thinking, oh, okay, well that's not good. Maybe I do need to sell Neto. Uh, scrolling down a little bit, you can assess uh, who's done what in that particular game, and we can see here that Mitrovic obviously finished that game top for shots. Uh, and the Wolves player with the most shots in that game was uh, was Huang and and Neves on two, but. Only one was in the box. Neither one had a big chance and only one of them got a shot on target. Uh, and so then let's have a look at uh, Neto then. Yeah, no shots. Well, as I said, live reaction you're capturing right now of me thinking maybe I need to sell Pedro Neto. Neto does sometimes have assist potential though. So I'm now just checking whether or not he was particularly creative in that game and I've discovered that no. No, he wasn't. One key pass uh, and... Um, one big chance created again not particularly exciting and finally his expected goal involvement netto uh fifth but 0.2 not very good at all so um as i said that's often what i do at the end of a, of a game um is is to head into that section of the site and work out a little bit you know because if i've not seen the game because i mean if i've seen the game i've probably got a, a greater idea but as many people know if you're watching these games or well, not watching them i suppose in the uk we've got that blackout haven't we for 3 p.m games so it's very very difficult uh, for us to really assess you know everything unless of course we've been to the game or maybe got a, a, an itk friend who's a season ticket holder at molyneux something like that uh i don't really have access to either of those so um, the Fantasy Football Scout member, members there are very useful for that sort of thing. And as I said, you guys have just witnessed live footage of me realising I I probably probably need to sell Pedro Neto because he really isn't doing very much um, at the start of the season. And so, in terms of what I might do as a replacement then, I've already talked about uh, Leeds uh, midfielders. And so what I'm going to do now, one last thing, if uh, if you bear with the, the, the shameless, shameless advertising I'm doing here for Fantasy Football Scout... Uh, is just to have a look at um, players who uh, have done particularly well at the start of the season. So uh, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to select uh, Rodrigo and uh, Harrison because they're, they're people that are taking my fancy so far and see what they've got up to so far. And actually, quite like I quite like the look of what they've achieved so far. Leeds actually have some fixtures that are actually, actually pretty good. Um, and what's really nice about Harrison uh, is that he, so far has had the most key passes of any player in the Premier League so far, which is incredible. Uh, especially when you consider that all the talk seems to be about Aronson, because he obviously looks very bright and on the ball. But actually, Harrison's posting considerably better attacking stats than him. Ten key passes so far, three big chances created. Looks very, very exciting. Rodrigo, also a good shout as well. Uh, obviously, he's had that price rise. Bamford injured, actually. So, uh, well, I say injured, sorry. He's gone off with an injury. He's flagged. He might not play next week. Rodrigo sort of plays behind him. But he's kind of a second striker, always really sort of has been for Leeds. But obviously playing in that deeper role on paper has afforded him the luxury of being a midfield player now and might play up centre-forward in game week three. You know, his stats are looking very nice. Seven shots in a box, two big chances in total and four shots on target. And of course has been bringing in the points as well. So Jack Harrison is looking, in my opinion, uh, so Jack Harrison and Rodrigo both looking looking very nice and, and Leeds uh, seem to be seemingly in good attacking Nick and decent fixtures. Uh, as well so appreciate their sort of slight jumps uh, from Bailey um, but you know if you're moving a, a bit of money around I sort of feel like in game week three if you're relatively plugged in and you haven't had to make that transfer of, of Kane to Haaland for game week two um, possibly sat there with, with two transfers could do a mini wild card with three actually rearranging a little bit to go from Bailey to one of these Leeds midfield players it's uh, definitely worse moves and as I said I'm just going to chuck him back in there again Granite Checker, also a possible option as well. The one person that it seems to get a lot of traction at the moment is Josh De Silva, because obviously he's scored uh, two goals so far, so two in his first two. Um, with the best of respect, you know, it was only Man United, wasn't it? You know, his own, his only Manchester United who were just sort of a mid-table, 
mediocre team these days. So, you know, maybe we've got to take that with a pinch of salt. Leicester's defence not particularly amazing either. Um, so, I mean, I can understand why there's a lot of thought here. I can understand why people are going for this because he's cheap. Um, you know, he is in form. He, 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 to me, is the Mounier. He's the guy who... All the all the sort of so-called casuals, you know that guy's that guy's girlfriend, uh, for example, uh, who captained <laughs> De Bruyne because uh, what was it that his kids are cute, you know? Um, it's these people. They're the people going after Josh, Josh Silver uh, a lot of the time, and it's going to force his price up. And I've seen a lot of people a bit nervous about that. You know, oh, I need to get on him before the price goes up, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but to be honest, I'm really happy for these sorts of players to get bought up at this stage of the season because I don't really know how sustainable that form is. And, you know, I, everyone plays this game very differently. I mean, there's, there's very high-performing managers. I mean, Mark Sevens is a classic one on this. If, he, if there's a player that he wants and they're going up in price, he's going to get them on Sunday night um, because, you know, team value is really important for his particular strategy. And, and to be fair, I think, I think it should be important for most people's strategy. I'm, I'm a little bit different. I don't like to be rushed into my decisions, whether or not that's fantasy football or real life. Um, and so when I spot someone like Josh De Silva racing up in price, um, I'm like... Okay, fine. Just I'm glad that you went up in price before, like five days before Friday, because now I don't feel like I need to sign you. And the reason why, sorry, I was a very long-winded sort of context of these particular stats is that at the moment it does look as if Josh Silver is is hugely overperforming uh, his his stats. So if we have a look uh, at his goal threat so far, so he has had he had one shot against Leicester goal. He had one shot against Man United, goal, right? And, of course, anyone who watched that game will know that if it wasn't for David De Gea sort of, you know, being a bit butterfingers, I guess again, <laughs> um, you know, if it wasn't for that, that's not, go- that's not going in. So, you know, 99 times out of 100, that shot's not going in again. Uh, and as I said at the start of this little section, it's only Man United, isn't it? You know, they've already played them. So um, moving forward then, he's only going to play De Gea one more time. <laughs> Um, and so I look at two shots in two games and two goals, and, I, and I, it just screams unsustainable to me. Um, and then, you know, anyone who's particularly into their modelling, uh, XG um, is not particularly exciting either. Uh, a lot of numbers on that table. Apologies if it's, if it's a bit too small. I will I will try and read it a bit louder. So um, his XG, is sorry, expected goal involvement. So that's his combined assist potential and and goal potential basically for the Leicester game was 0.07 so um, it meant that in that game he overperformed against it by what's that 0.93 that's huge and the fact that he's basically gone and recorded an even similar stat against United just tells me that Josh De Silva is a possible trap waiting to happen um, because if he keeps up stats like that he isn't going to score because uh, he, well, he's not going to score every game anyway um, and of course, you know, a couple of people mentioned in the stream as well. Uh, I mean, really, Neil uh, is your is your expert on this, uh, so do make sure you're keeping an eye on his team news videos every week. They are invaluable to you if you're a fantasy football manager. Um, so as I said, speak to speak to him if you want absolute cast iron uh, authority on this. But you know, he's not necessarily completely nailed on to start every week. And of course, they've just signed Damsgaard as well, who is uh, comes highly touted actually. He's a good player. Um, so that's just another name to chuck into that midfield battle that could uh, force him out of the team. So if if all of your all of your colleagues at work who are above you in whatever your work lead is called are all going for Josh De Silva, just let them let them go for Josh De Silva because um, yeah, I uh, I personally think that he could be a bit of a flash in the pan. Uh, as there always there's always one there's always one at the start of every season there's always a bandwagon who gets two goals in two and then disappears. So I think I think that that's De Silva this season, and I'm sure after this sort of I guess it was a rant. Apologies for that. I guess after this so-called rant, he's probably going to score in each of his next six now. So I'm, I'm eagerly anticipating the Fantasy Football Scout social media team clipping this up and sticking it on Twitter with the eyes emoji in about six weeks' time. So, um, yeah. I know what your plans are, guys. I spotted them coming. So, uh, before we finish then, and I'm going to do a bit of Q&A towards the end as well, uh, just want to talk through some of the Sunday uh, stuff as well. Um, I don't have as much data on this because obviously... You know, so it was only really just happened, and I was watching both of these games with my kids. And so, rather than spotting who's touching the ball there and who's moving it there, I'm a- I'm answering questions like, 
which team plays in blue again? Uh, oh, I, I thought that Chelsea were the white team and all those sorts of questions. So um, bear with me if, if, if my information here isn't quite as detailed as for the other games. Um, where I'll start with is, is Nottingham Forest. If anyone's got any thoughts on Nottingham Forest players, love to hear those in the chat because I want to just double check that I'm not going crazy <laughs> because in game week one, I thought that... Um, I thought they looked shocking. I, with the best respect to to Forest and their fans, I know I know loads of Forest fans, so I'm not saying this to <laughs> to be horrible. I just I just didn't see much about them. I, I felt that they were really really outclassed by a Newcastle team that is good, but I didn't think it was good enough to like completely outclass a team that has had come up with um, quite a lot of fanfare in Forest. And so I was kind of expecting that West Ham were just going to go and muller them. I think in my Super Six, I went for three nil, um, but. I mean, wow, what a performance. I mean, I, um, the captain at the end of the game said that, you know, the city ground is a bit of a fortress. And, and it's entirely possible that that could have been what transformed it because the atmosphere was was amazing. I mean, the I watched some of their videos before the game. And I've got to say, I was, I, I'm not even a Forest fan, but I was tearing up a little bit. I mean, just like the history of this club coming back from where it's been. But, the, the, you know, what it's done in the past and so many so many influential football names you know in in players and managers and pundits and all sorts of so many of them have had involvement in forest so it really is just amazing to have them back and you could that that was really tangible in the atmosphere for that game in a way that i just i really enjoy that sort of thing i mean as many of you know i love i love a great narrative so the narrative for this game was was great um and maybe that's what pushed them over the line for this win, I don't know. We, we need to see um, them play a few more games before we work out whether or not they're a, a home and away team. But I, I just thought that they, they, they thoroughly deserved that win. And one person who particularly excited me was Neko Williams, um, who wearing the number seven shirt. So you know, lad thinks he's Cancelo, um, but to be fair, he wasn't far off. I mean, he was he was making a lot of adventurous runs, um, causing a lot of issues. Um, Four million he costs because of course he was at Liverpool when they did the prices. Um, and, you know, in their next game week, I think it's Everton who obviously, you know, they don't have um, a particularly functional attack right now. It's two games in, the only person who scored for them is Luca Dina and he doesn't even play for them anymore. You know, DCL's out for a while. Deli Alley just looks completely out of his depth as a centre forward. Um, Rondon's come back in, um, but of course, you know, there was a brief spell where he did all right at Newcastle. And I think I remember owning him at one point in my particularly adventurous times. Um, but I mean, you know, you've got to say that um, if you're if you're looking at your defence and you actually kind of feel like you need to bench someone, like for example, if any of you've got Trippier, you know, you're maybe a little bit worried about starting him against Man City. So I've got I've got Botman or Batman or you know Bruce Wayne, whatever you want to call him, um, and I don't want to. St- there's no way I'm starting him against Man City. So I need to bring someone in, and I was thinking it was going to be Patterson before that Forest game because as I said, they didn't really offer anything against Newcastle. But then watching the way they played against West Ham, it's making me think that actually, if I start uh, Williams instead, possibly could get a double-figure haul out of that. And I'm not saying I'm going to get one. I'm not even necessarily saying saying it's on the cards. But the way he played today, I mean, I don't really think a, a double-figure haul would have been off. You know, particularly uh, an outrageous uh, eventuality, just because the way he played was was great. Um, and so, um, just the advanced positions he was taking, and um, when you think about the fact that he was basically an understudy to. Uh, Alexander Arnold. He kind of seems like, well, he quite literally is a poundland Alexander Arnold in a way, in the sense that he's a is a fullback with sort of questionable defensive credentials, but like is quite enthusiastic about getting forward. Plays for a team with the worst defense and costs about half the price. That's quite literally the definition of a poundland Alexander Arnold. So that's that's what he can be. And so rotating him in for this uh, with this Everton game, I think after what I've seen today. I think that's something that um, I'd happily do. And I think that Gianni actually started him. I think I saw a tweet saying that he'd started Williams for that game, which is, I mean, that's brave. Because, I, I, as I said, I thought that, that West Ham were going to go through them. Um, so, so fair play, Gianni, for that particular decision. Uh, it, clearly the trailblazer once again. Um, you know, because, I, as I said, I think I'm going to start him. Nuclear Atom says <laughs> that, that Williams is going to be this season's lunchroom. Well, I mean, yeah, he's still there. I'm a man who clearly likes my history. Um, probably a little bit too much. Um, so the Lundstrom is never coming down. Neither is my Dalek, by the way. Um, can he be this season's Lundstrom? Well, I mean, it's nice of you to say nuclear. It's nice of you to <laughs> to, to kind of <laughs> try, try, you know, try and bring this back to to the Lord himself. Um, I don't want to go as far as to agree with that just yet. We'll have to see. The, the thing, the thing about Lundstrom was, I think he was kind of like 
the cross between a cheat code and a glitch because he just like never played defense in his entire life like someone just you know made a, a bit of a, i think a possible a bit of an error in there to, and you know even sheffield united fans were like he won't play fantasy football scout of course we were very insistent they would and of course he did and the rest is history but um neko williams isn't really a midfielder although to be fair i've already called him a budget alexander arnold i mean effectively he's basically an inside forward isn't he so um maybe he could be maybe he could be if he does if he becomes this season's lundstrom then i'll remember this stream nuclear atoms i will um i'll remember that and i'll make sure i give you a shout out for that comparison um so yeah that's the forest game um although yeah good point here actually from uh, ninda saying that they were very unlucky they were very lucky not to concede today west ham uh you know criminally unlucky and uh just uh, justin saying uh obviously west ham you know hit the post yeah it's a fair point west ham probably could have come out of that game um with a with with a goal or, or two um yeah I, I can't i can't disagree there but i still felt the way that forest played the fact they've come out of that with a one nil is is deserved at the very least and in a goal with a goalkeeper like dean henderson um he yeah, his 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 stats are always fantastic. When he was the Sheffield United goalkeeper, his XG prevented was always very good. Um, so that's the 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 XG score of shots that he was saving. He was very good at saving high XG shots, which uh, meant that he was a useful FPL asset, as we all remember, because he was conceding a lot of chances, but not as many goals, and of course racking up the saves as well. I don't to hand have his stats from today in terms of how many saves he made or what bonus he got. Uh, so if there's anyone who knows that information and can help me out please probably in the comments and I, I will make sure I forward it on to everyone else. But one thing I will say is I think people were talking about Henderson at the start of the season um, as a possible four five for us to look at at some point. And from what I've seen today, I mean, it's early days, but I can absolutely, I think at some point I might own Henderson um, because this Forest team is going to concede chances, um, but they are going to get blocked a lot because they've got a good goalkeeper and they've got quite a workmanlike defense because they've got to have it they've got to have that you know they're a newly promoted side they know that they're going to be on the back foot in a lot of games and so they are in my opinion relatively well equipped to um uh, to deal with that um oh here we go so uh nuclear atoms absolutely uh like on it straight away uh three bonus points um one save uh one yellow um i mean the bonus points fantastic the i'm surprised by the one save but generally speaking like he is a good goalkeeper in a rubbish defense like that's kind of what you want is you want um a goalkeeper who can make lots of saves for a team that's going to concede lots of chances um that's that's in my opinion what the best four or five is you know that's what nick pope used to be back before he was trending on twitter back in the good old days when only really football fans knew who he was um you know playing for a burnley team that conceded lots of shots he made lots of saves you know that's what you want from a four or five and if Forrest can have more home games like they did today, then Henderson's looking pretty good. So, yeah. Uh, in terms of then the Chelsea-Spurs uh, game, um, what's, what, what, I, uh, I wanted to, well, what I want to talk about first, I suppose, is, is, is Harry Kane. Um, if there's anyone out there who, um, who... Oh, sorry, I've made a mistake. It was four saves, which means one save point for Henderson. Actually, which is, is, is considerably better. That is, that is the sort of stats we, we want to be seeing. Uh, if there's anyone else out there who's got Kane like me and is a little bit worried about what they're going to do with him, I really want to hear what people are going to do with Harry Kane because um, I've got to say I've not been impressed with him so far. Um, the first game, um, obviously Spurs have scored uh, four goals and he's not been involved in any of them. So a blank against Southampton for him is quite surprising, in my opinion. Um, he historically has done quite well against them and... Um, yeah, it didn't do particularly well in that game. Um, I was a little bit encouraged, but I was speaking to Lucy Heinet, who obviously is a quite well-known Southampton fan uh, on, uh, on on Twitter, uh, goes uh, watches quite a lot of their games, I, I think, although she lives in Sheffield, um, was saying that the reason why Kane didn't do very much in that game is because Southampton played quite a narrow formation, and, and that's actually why the wing-backs had quite a lot of joy, and it meant that he was quite compacted in the middle, so it meant that Kane didn't see a lot of the ball. I was quite happy to go with, okay, fine, like... Um, maybe just in this one game but then as i said this chelsea game um i thought that spurs were going to give this a lot more um juice than they did i know that chelsea are a decent team and it is stanford bridge but um you know we went through and had that chance and he put it wide um didn't see that coming there's an element of uh of jamminess as i said about that final goal um it's not going to happen every week that he's going to nod a goal in like that. And also, as I said, in my opinion, they probably shouldn't have even had a corner anyway. It should have been a Chelsea free kick and possibly a red card. Um, 
looking forward, um, I, I am nervous. Uh, in terms of his fixtures, um, Wolves at home, Forest away, West Ham away, Fulham at home. I mean, they are nice fixtures, and I probably will hold him. Um, but, I mean, as a couple of people have mentioned, actually, there's a couple of people I, I should make a... I mean, there's loads of them who've said this throughout the stream, and I didn't give them a shout-out at the time, is um, that... Um, kind of all eyes are on Darwin Nunez, right? Because um, if he absolutely bangs in game uh, in game week two on Monday night against Palace, which is entirely possible that it will happen because he, he looked very, very tidy against Fulham, changed the game really uh, for Liverpool, came on and just helped make them considerably more direct. Um, he can, I think he can be good this season. I think he played 39 minutes in that game. He finished it second for XGI, but of course Mitrovic had a penalty, so he was never going to outstrip that. But he finished top for shots, shots in the box, big chances, shots on target. So great player, uh, clearly. Um, and if he does well against Palace and then it's United, then I'm going to start getting a bit itchy about that because I, I feel like I'm going to want to own Darwin for the United game. Uh, and Liverpool's fixtures aren't exactly um, too challenging beyond that. So um, I suppose, in a way, it's a bit of a wet and see on Kane. If Darwin lights things up, then maybe that's my, um, maybe that's uh, what I do next. Um, so uh, I'm going to go for just another couple of minutes, uh, probably another five minutes. Um, I appreciate I started the stream a little bit late, so we'll, we'll try and finish a little bit late as well. Um, if you have any questions about what you're thinking about doing for game week three, then stick them in the chat. Uh, alternatively, if you have no questions, I will not be offended. Um, I, I appreciate that I'm not a Mark Sovens or a Fabio Borges. So you're probably not coming to me for, you know, the top level advice. But if you do have any questions, I'm happy uh, to answer those. While I'm waiting for any questions to come in, um, I will just remind people, if I can get this button to work, that um, you, uh, if you like the Fantasy Football Scout content, then don't forget to subscribe to our channel. Uh, don't forget to hit the like button for this video if you'd like to see more content like this. As I said, we're hoping to do this every Sunday evening after the games to sort of capture your your distress or your or, or your victories uh, in the aftermath of the games, then do like this video, subscribe, hit the, the bell button so that you don't miss any of this stuff. We've got some questions, which is great. So Joshua Griffith says, Zinchenko or Rhys James? Well, I um, have already sort of alluded to how exciting Arsenal looked down the left-hand side. Zinchenko, obviously cheaper. Um, I'd go Zinchenko there, personally. Um, I've already mentioned that I might be going Xhaka <laughs> as my third Arsenal player, but um, if I was a bit scared of the red cards... Um, I'd probably be looking at Zinchenko personally because um, the thing about Chelsea is that some people I don't really want to pay that extra million basically because I don't think that defence is necessarily as good as it was last season with that Rudiger and um, Arsenal's defence even though it didn't keep a clean sheet against Leicester they weren't that troubled and it was kind of a bit jammy that, that Leicester got two goals so I, I wouldn't be too shocked if Arsenal get more clean sheets than Chelsea this year with the way that they've been playing so Zinchenko for me there um the best 8 million regular starter midfielder for long term apart from Saka uh, oh, that's a tough one I mean I hate this midfield bracket it, I, I have brackets in every sort of position that I really just can't stand and for defenders it's anyone priced around 5 million he says after just recommending Zinchenko uh, for strikers it's anyone around 9 million he says after recommending Darwin um, but um, yeah midfield is like the 8 million ones are the ones that I always struggle to really get too excited by I mean, I, I mean Kuliszewski looks pretty good um, personally, I think I think Madison also like could do okay. You know, he's got attacking returns in the first two so far. And actually, when you look at his fixtures, Southampton at home. I mean, I think I think Leicester can go through that. Someone asked me earlier about Vardy. By the way, could possibly also do well against Southampton. I mean, I've got to be honest. The way that the way that Chelsea have conceded those goals today, even in games they've controlled, because Chelsea were very on top of that game, still conceded. So I do think that. Um, that Leicester can score there. And, of course, Leicester have Man United in game week five who are shocking. So James Madison could be a good shout there possibly as well. Um, I would have suggested Foden, but, you know, he's got in big trouble over the weekend because he didn't square to Haaland. So maybe, maybe not him. I'll take one more question because I appreciate um, I've gone over time a little bit. Um, Jesus or Salah captain? Um, or something from my roots, yes. A nice little callback there to um, my days doing the captaincy video with Joe. Um for game week three, I mean, I've got to be honest. I think I can't remember my bus team. Who did I pick as captain? I didn't pick Jesus. I did pick Salah, um, but I, um, I, I just think I mean, we'll see how Salah gets on against Palace because obviously he looked a little bit out of the game until Darwin came on against Fulham. Um, but that Man United defence looks dreadful, and I don't know how they turn that around in the space of what is it eight days? They just it looks it makes like the Ranić days look like the Halcyon days. It's insane. Um, so I think Salah's going to be heavily captained. 
So I think I'm probably going to go with him. But it was close with Jesus. He does look on fire. Where I think I'm going to captain him uh, is I think it's possibly game week four. I'm just uh, double checking. Um, or is it maybe game week five? There's there's a couple of game weeks coming up when I looked at the ticker and felt, you know what, Jesus is my man for that one. So, um, yeah, I think uh, it's not going to be too long before Jesus is, is very, very heavily in the captaincy conversation for uh, each week. Um, Bjorn Peterson just adding that Gundogan, possible option in the 8 million bracket, of course he's 7.5 million. Um, it's unlikely that we're going to see him return to the days when he was playing false nine uh, for City because of course that he was doing that in the season when they didn't really have a starting centre forward. Now they have Haaland. Uh, but of course he did score, got an assist from Haaland so you know, uh, could do quite well. Um, I appreciate loads and loads of questions are coming in but um, as I said, I was uh, aiming to do this around an hour. I've been doing it for an hour and five now so... Uh, without wanting to keep you off for too long. <laughs> and I appreciate there's other streams as well that people might want to watch. Uh, I am going to I am gonna wrap it up, uh, wrap it up there. But as I said, if you've enjoyed this particular show, then uh, please leave a like and please subscribe and hit the bell button so you don't miss uh, these in future. Uh, if you have any suggestions, any feedback for stuff that you'd like to see us do more of, as I said, I've mentioned uh, that I know that there is some issues I need to resolve with my mic. Uh, if you have anything else you've spotted that, um, that you'd like to mention, please do. Don't be afraid of getting in touch. We like to hear from people. Um, and it's worth saying actually that um, I'm on my own today, but I have in the um, possible um, uh, pipeline that I might uh, invite a few people onto this stream uh, to to share uh, their highs and lows of the game week and give their opinion on some of these talking points. So if there's anyone who you particularly enjoy listening to or seeing the face of, uh, or rather seeing them from the shoulders up, so to speak, um, then uh, yeah do let me know if there's any guests you'd like me to, to get on I will have a chat with them and check with my scout employers that I'm allowed to have them on the stream <laughs> and then we'll go from there um, so yeah thanks everyone for, for joining uh, it's been it's been good fun talking to you it's been a fantastic first couple of weeks of FPL as I said at the top fantastic to have so much highs and lows and we've got we've got some great things happening we've got some troll-tastic things happening that's what FPL is all about it's a roller coaster uh, and it's very much back so uh, as I said please like, subscribe hit the bell button and uh, I will see you um, this time next week.